500 with Jamie Brown and Greg Hole. Thanks for uh, sticking with us over the break. So today we have a special guest. We always have a special guest, but today we have a very special guest, Wendy Bendoni, who is the chair of Woodbury's marketing and fashion marketing programs in our School of Business. And she is a fashion forecaster. You can correct me later if I'm wrong about your long title and all this great stuff that you do. But um, we're just so glad to have you with us, Wendy. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Wendy, let's uh, just start out with your background. How did you get into this field and just where are you from? Let's just start from the beginning. Okay. Um, Well, it's a very long beginning, but I will make it. I'll give you the cliff notes. We have all the time in the world. Uh Uh, so, so yeah, I started in the area of fashion. Actually, I did my undergraduate work at Woodbury University in fashion marketing. And the little push of my father, eh, scared that that would not get me a job, um, ended up also being very interested in computers and going into computer science as my minor and focus. And then um, I was introduced through the career department to a company that dealt with fashion forecasting which I was fascinated, which basically meant that I look at what people are wearing and help predict trends for retailers and manufacturers. So I started working for one of the only forecasting companies here in Los Angeles. And um, three years into it, which was then into my senior year, became their international um, correspondent. So that meant for almost 18 years, my job was to go to Europe Uh, Paris, Milan, Amsterdam, Dusseldorf, Cologne, all throughout Italy, and basically take photographs of what people are wearing on the street and look into stores, what people are shopping, how are they buying, and we would come back and then put together a report for retailers and manufacturers, and I would do lectures, and that was fantastic until um, the internet started doing a couple things and speeding things along. It actually brought me back to school to do my master's, and I did my thesis on how to predict fashion trends on the internet. And that was in 98, so it was a little bit later. And after that, um, kept working in the fashion industry. And in 2008, I was approached by Woodbury to come on board and teach blogging, because that was a cool thing to do. Mm -hmm. And started teaching blogging and Professionally, what I did is I switched over to um, Magic Trade Show, which is the largest fashion trade show in North America. And it's basically where all the buyers go to Vegas twice a year. And you have everybody from like an anthropology to Steve Madden shoes. And they would go and shop. And I started doing um, trend services for them and then went into moderating panels of influencers teaching retailers how to work with influencers, how to monetize that, and then kind of niching an area called trend science, which is teaching uh, retailers and manufacturers how to use data in an actionable way. And fast forward, ended up teaching more classes, then became the chair, and that's kind of where I am today. So I'm still working um, along with Magic, consulting, but really tying it all to um, the area of fashion marketing. Wow, that's quite a history. Well, yes. I think also it's pretty amazing that you started as a fashion marketing student and now you're chair of the program. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's you know, when I, I'm not going to lie, when I went through the gates and I was graduating, if you were to tell me that I would come back as a chair, I probably would not have guessed. Um, but after 
teaching and, and being on the industry, uh, when I came back to Woodbury, it was a it was a perfect match. So, how old is the program, the fashion marketing program? The fashion marketing program, more or less. I want to say maybe it started in the early '80s. Okay, I think that's when it actually started coming out. And then um, five years ago, we also received accreditation, AACSB, uh, which leads us to be the only fashion marketing program in the U.S. with that type of title on it. What does that mean for our listeners who for, wouldn't know? So I always the tell people, standard, yes. right? yeah, and I always tell people, you know, when you look at a school and it has accreditation, it really is saying it's making them accountable and that we have to measure the learning process. So it's really good to pick a school that has the accreditation and that um, if you're going into the field of, of marketing or fashion marketing, um, you really want to make sure that it's accredited. So, uh, one thing I want to su- sort of unpack a little bit because I I think it's amazing is that you were were traveling around Europe taking pictures of what people were wearing in order to try to predict how trends would develop. Can you just give us a little more about how you do that? Because that's kind of really cool. That's like yeah. a dream job. It 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 really you know I I love forecasting and and. You know, part of coming to Woodbury was that I get to continue forecasting because basically it's people watching and monitor people and using your consumer behavior and psychology of why people wear what they wear. Um, There used to be a slower trend cycle uh, before social media. Before social media, it's called the diffusion of innovation. And basically, how do people get innovated? Where do you look at? Do you look at movies, magazines? Where do you get innovation? And before social media... It was traditionally magazines. Even though we had the internet, it wasn't used in the way it's used today. So that meant it took a longer time for a trend to kind of go full circle. And it typically would be we would go to certain cities, like Amsterdam we knew, we would go there for the best denim. Um, London, that would give us kind of the most insight as far as kind of taking a couple steps out of the, out of the traditional box. Um, favorite trip every June, I would go to Saint-Tropez, south of France, have to spend a week and a half there just taking photographs of what people are wearing. But the idea was that when someone typically gets dressed, you don't dress the same brand from head to toe. You mix it up, which is adding your kind of twist onto things. Mm -hmm. So as a forecaster, you kind of have to recognize what has happened, what's happening, and what's going to happen. So if we know it's going to be about a darker denim, then we would look out for that and how people are wearing it and how they're adapting it. And you would basically, you know, influencer didn't used to be a social media influencer. Influencer was someone that was making an impact. So it could have been like a tastemaker, like a, a, a model or an actress or someone like that. And that would be someone that we would kind of follow. And then follow the trend. And as you follow the trend, um, we would come back. We used to fax people the latest trends. Uh, just Jamie quickly. still does. That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do. I, I, what's email? Yeah, it was it was odd, and it just kind of sped up. And now, with you know, unfortunately, my job was changed. I it was no need for me to go to Europe. Um, I started working for a company around '98 called WGSN. Uh, which was one of the first companies to do trend forecasting online. It's literally the largest fashion forecasting company that exists today. 
and I worked for them for seven years in regards to uh, tracking retail trends. So I would um, go everywhere from San Francisco to Oregon, and I would track new retail stores and how consumers were shopping that. I was really, really good at that, and that's why I kind of laugh when students come to me. You know, they're marketing, and they're like, why do I have to take consumer behavior? Why? How is psychology even going to help me? you know, later on. And then once they start putting reports together and they're like, oh, mm-hmm, I get mm-hmm. it. I actually get a lot of students minoring in psychology mm-hmm. because they yeah. get the importance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, the the importance of trends is is true for any marketing that you yeah. do. But, but you can s- totally see how with fashion, it's really, really important, right? Because if, if, you s- if you're a fashion brand, and you start producing something that no one's going to wear, and yeah. you're trying to sort of... Per- like, how does that work? Like, uh, are most brands following, or are they... Like, h- how Making many are... Impact. Yeah. Well, you know, and, you know, putting on my professional hat, not, not so much the professor hat, but, you know, forecasting is, is very hard right now because traditionally we'd be doing forecast for summer 2020 right now. And your traditional way of scaling it of what would be coming next kind of gets interfered because if one big influencer with over a million followers wears the polar opposite of what you just said, that's making an impact. Um, Also, we would show shows. So right now is Paris Fashion Week. And in Paris Fashion Week, they're showing fall where the buyers would take it, they would buy it, they would bring it into the stores in fall. But, you know, consumers watching this on Snapchat, they're watching it on Instagram and the stories. So no consumer is saying, oh, my gosh, I can't wait for six months to wear that. Nobody's saying that. They want it now. They go online. They Google it. Mm -hmm. Um, They are looking for a way to get it right now. And the industry has tried to make changes. So a lot of what forecasting is now is really consumer research on uh, what we call like drivers of change. What are things that are uniquely happening and behaviors that are happening that would affect what color someone wants to wear or what type of fabric someone is thinking about. The tactile part is very important. And um, one of the ways that we do this is um, in the area of like futurist. So futurist uh, think tank there's um, a company called Future Laboratory in London, which is an amazing company. And they're not just for the fashion industry, they're for cars, they're for pretty much everything you could possibly imagine. Because it's kind of like in forecasting, you know, you have to forecast what movies and TV shows people are going to want before you cast it and you put it out there. You know, you're thinking all these things in the future, just like fashion. So, I spend a lot of time even just looking at trade papers of, you know, what movies are coming out and not just the movie, but who did they cast? Because that's a big impact on what demographic they're going after. And they could recast it and that completely changes how that's going to impact. So when we're looking, because here's the thing about fashion forecasting, you can't really do it wrong and get hired again. <laughs> right. You, you don't really get a lot of chance. So that totally date myself. I've been doing it for over 25 years there's something to say for that because nobody would keep coming back to me if I was wrong. And you're still doing this as a consultant? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I still do it as a consultant. And then part of what I like that I do for Magic is that 
um, I help educate retailers and manufacturers. So yes, I can give them all the really expensive tools they can buy, but I can give them some real practical application of how to use Instagram to find an influencer that will really nail what are some of the trends that they should be looking at. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. And you'll find, I always make this joke, but I, my questions are like 20 minutes long. Yeah, that's okay. I like that. Um, how, do you tie, how do you tie some of this back into the classroom? Okay. Because like this is really good stuff, and 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 we have marketing backgrounds, and um, you know, just hearing about that is really interesting. But yeah. um, talk about the ways in which you help, you know, up and coming marketers and fashion marketers think right. about this stuff. Well, so the fashion marketing students will take a class called trend analysis, which even if students have had trend analysis from another school. I know every forecaster there is out there. I know the forecasters that I am at awe of. And unless they taught you, I'm pretty sure that my class will be different than any other class you've taken. Um, because I'm basically teaching the same thing I'm teaching retailers and manufacturers that are still scratching their head trying to figure out how to adapt, you know. And when we talk about in the classroom, we talk about a behavior. So that goes back to the driver of change. So when someone shops online, they'll typically go on Amazon for something. And even if you don't need it tomorrow, if you're prime and you can get it tomorrow, you're going to get it tomorrow. Of course. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's of like, Sometimes you it really, today. I've done that. I've done that. And, and the thing about that is that that's a behavior now that you've learned. So when you go to another website and they say it will be there within seven days, the consumer's not okay with that. And you have to pay. And you're going to pay? Forget about that. <laughs> so this all does reflect in regards to trends. It, it, you have to think about this. And so in trend analysis, we'll look at that. We'll look at, we create what's called a zeitgeist, which in German spirit of the times of what has happened from 1910 to now as far as in politics and art in um, movies, cars, all the different things, and then we'll go from there to make an impact of what's coming. And the idea behind that is that we use real tools that are out in the industry um, that I've been very lucky to bring into our program because some of my academic research that I, I do um, have given us a lot of really cool data science tools. It's the only time you'll hear fashion students really excited about data because they can actually visualize and see how you can use that data to say, basically any of my students can tell you right now, what is the top, telling sh uh, top selling shoe across the US? What color, what size, what demographic? They can look it up and tell you in a second. So that's one side of it. And then the other side is, you know, when I say trend forecasting, um, everybody always goes to fashion, which I love fashion, of course. But a big part of your research has to do with everything but fashion. So I teach a class where my fashion marketing and my marketing students will come. It's, it's a junior, senior level class. And we create a futurist report for two years out of what consumers will want in regards to how do they want their entertainment? Um, how do they want their food delivered? Um, what are some of the important aspects of, of beauty or knowing content? So they basically create a futurist report, which most people wouldn't even know how to even attempt a futurist report, but every marketer knows that's all we do. You know, we're thinking five years down the line, so we are looking at that. 
but there was never really a class that was, you know, this one's called Innovation Think Tank, but there wasn't really a class set up that way, which I saw as one of the things that we needed to do was add forecasting, but forecasting for marketers. Now, this may seem like a real basic question, but what is the difference as a student, if I were to say, well, what, what are the main differences between the marketing program and the fashion marketing program, other than the obvious? <laughs> right, right. Um, I mean, you know, the thing is, is I'll get, I, I can really tell a fashion marketing student right away. Um, I still get some that are um, worried if they, they limit themselves to fashion marketing, then they won't be able to go into any other industry. And I typically define fashion marketing as more of a lifestyle marketing, anything in the creative industry. So that would include, you know, beauty project, which beauty is one of the top growing segments that we're all watching. But when you take the classes, you're actually learning all the creative industries. So I think that kind of lays a niche where marketing is when they may not want to pick a niche or an area. They may want to get into medical. They may may want to get into entertainment, even though I've had fashion marketing go into entertainment. Um, so that one, we can customize, customize it because there's a lot of electives. So if they're interested in getting into YouTube and they want to do promos, then I help them collaborate with the film department and take extra classes in film. Um, or if they're thinking they want to go more into you know media, they can collaborate into that. Um, writing, writing's another one. We do writing as a minor. Or if they're really into research and analysis, um, which you wouldn't think people were, but there's actually a lot of students that are interested in the research because they're curious. They want to know what that data means. Mm-hmm. So then we'll even push them over into the area of psychology and putting the two together. Um, now, normally we don't like to overtly promote Woodbury on this show. We like to be very authentic. But yeah. what you just talked about is a really good example of what we often hear, which is that sort of customizable aspect of what we offer here. Right. I mean, that's pretty amazing, actually. To, so you're actually, it sounds like you're almost like curating the experience of both your marketing students and your fashion marketing students. Yeah, it, it's, you know, I think it really helps that my foot is still in the industry because I I get what's happening out there across the board, actually, because it's, it's the same. I hear the same problems happening from entertainment and PR and anything. It's, it's just all kind of merging together. And I think as a program or as education itself, I truly believe that you have to be reactive. You can't just be set in your ways. And if, if you're a program, if you're a retailer, if if you're in it and you're not reactive to what is happening, it's going to be a failed business. It's, it's not going to work. The degree isn't going to get you to where the industry is going to be when you graduate. Um, You have to be able to adapt what the industries are looking for and give them the right tools. So um, when I speak to retailers and manufacturers, I'm looking at mom and pop stores, big retailers, but they're really relying on truthful advice, not just fluffing, you know? Mm -hmm. And we're small schools, so when those seniors graduate and they graduate and they didn't get the education they need to get the job, I still see them, I still hear from them. And I, I never want to be that I didn't give them an opportunity. So it's I'm very transparent and 
and I, I do believe in the world of education today is that there's lots of options, but you need the core as far as your undergraduate, you need the core theories and principles. If you get that and you look and make sure it's accredited, and this is any school, honestly, but then make sure what else are they offering? What else are they going to give you? Um, and I think that's really important. And, you know, being a small school, wearing lots of hats, you know, at first when I had to look at different jobs out there looking for like interns for students, it seemed like a, a lot. But now I realize when, I, when I'm doing this, I know the jobs that are out there and I know the students really well. So I'm good at matching them up mm -hmm. and kind of mm -hmm. connecting them. So on that note, why don't you um, tell us about some of your students and what they're doing or what they have, what they're doing now with their careers. Right. So, I mean, there's lots of different things that students end up doing and, you know, they find their path and sometimes it ends up exactly where they thought they would be and other times it's completely the opposite. But the one kind of thing that I always like to say is that, you know, it's your, it's your lifestyle and it's your culture that you're kind of like jumping into. So make sure it's the one that you think will be the best fit for you. So um, one of my students, um, fashion marketing student, very, very advanced in regards to his knowledge on websites and um, social media apps. And when he came to me, he fell in love with fashion forecasting. And that was definitely his path. Um, until the very end, when he realized what he really enjoyed was putting those reports together. And when he put the trend reports together in regards to consumer behavior and what people like and what people do, he realized that there was a, a hole in the market that he could actually adapt, which has to do with uh, the area of real estate. So he applied that and created his own company. And there's a, you know, that is definitely an entrepreneur way of thinking, of thinking out of the box, doing a, you know, a competitive analysis, what's out there, realizing there's a hole and then jumping on it. And it's an amazing story. And it was... How did he get his first client? Do you know? Um, it was word of mouth. And someone saw him doing this type of report for a class. So and amazing. they're like, what is that for? And it kind of like tapped into that. And he got a chance to do a presentation. And they were blown away. They'd never seen anything the way he approached it. Because, you know, like any type of research, it's it's how you put it together. Right. And is that, that's great. There's a lot of numbers, but like what's actually relevant. Right. And he was really good at doing that. That's so neat. And, you know, that's, it's interesting. And, you know, other people have gone on to work in styling, which they didn't really know they were going to jump into. But um, one of the things that I did at, um, at one of the churches is I moderated a panel on influencers, which you think, you know, a girl wearing the cute little outfits and kind of promoting. Uh, but this, we decided to invite costume designers. So we invited like Mandy Lane from Pretty Little Liars, uh, Lou from American Horror Story, originally from Glee, um, Scandals, costume designer. And one thing, there was more costume designers, not that it was just these three women, but they didn't have the social media. Mm -hmm kind of buzz and were able to work with some of my students. Um, some of them did have it and some of them just needed a little help, which then kind of opened the door to um, getting into that world. And others have gone on to be buyers, um, influencers, which you don't really plan to be an influencer, but I still laugh because I made them do a blog. That was my first class. So two of them became really 
like amazing influencers out there and they're very giving with their time with the students to kind of help so that's can, so can, neat. Um, can you just talk about influencers um, a little bit like how just give our listeners and us kind of a how that developed I mean because it's pretty amazing now the influence that these influencers have yeah <laughs> and uh, so I'm kind of should I tell you the, yeah, the just, creepy part I told you about earlier yeah just you know. <laughs> so so influencers so you know once again going back to looking at trends so you have to look at where consumers are getting inspired so obviously majority of like the millennials are on social media they're looking at social media they're exposed to that which you know, influencer before that could have been a musician. It could have been somebody, because um, one of the things that happened, they call it um, citizen journalism. So citizen journalism was the idea that someone could blog and have an opinion, and they weren't necessarily getting paid for it, but they could say something, which was unheard of. And when that started happening, they started getting a really strong following because it was an authentic voice. Mm -hmm. It was a voice that was relatable. Now, it has definitely gone through a lot of cycles as far as influencers. And um, that's why the big buzz on micro-influencers, it doesn't mean they have to have a million followers, but maybe they have 30,000 followers that are 100% dedicated to that influencer. They really, what they say really goes with them. And the idea of being that type of influencer is something marketers have, you know, kind of have to pay attention to. Forecasters, we definitely have to pay attention to. Then there's also the area of like gatekeepers. So gatekeepers are the ones that are kind of the controllers. And, you know, before it used to be the editors of magazines, you know, even the producers of television shows, what the consumers were being exposed to, which now is somewhat changing because now they're all getting social media and having like finally getting the hang of it. Um, and then you have tastemakers. So tastemakers I typically define as someone that is an expert within the industry. So it could be someone in, in the area of culinary. It could be someone in the area of music. So, um, and, and I think costume designers kind of fall into that area too because they may not be the TV star that's sitting in front of all these people watching, but you love the clothes like in Scandal. You love what they're wearing. You're fascinated. So they're the ones behind that. And those are the tastemakers that kind of make an impact. That is so, I mean, all this is just, I mean, I'm just absorbing all this. Because uh-huh. I just look at, I, my niece is, is probably your daughter's age. And she has something like 40,000 followers. Yeah, and I'm like, insane. how did, I'm She's like. She's making an impact for sure. But it's just. It's weird. Like, yeah. <laughs> for me, well, for us, well, you know? Yeah, yeah, and it's like, definitely. why are all these people so interested in what you're doing? Yeah. You, know? Well, what, you know, I tend to take, like, a historical look at this. And, yeah. like, you know, for, for a long time, we had influencers, right? Like, uh, you know, um, like radio hosts would do ads, you know, and say, I smoke camel cigarettes. Or right. Whatever. Like, so they were influencers. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, it's... I think what's happened, it seems, is yeah. like it's been democratized or whatever. Like, the, like now, anyone, not anyone, but, but a lot of people can do it. But right? you're like me. You know what I mean? Like, that's the big thing, right? The influencer before was a celebrity or someone right. that kind of had that role where a lot of these people talking, you know, Tavi was like one of the kind of the first pack. She was 13 years old going to a Galliano show and a Chanel show. And people are like, who is this girl like 
I mean, there was definitely a big rival with the with the editors, the original kind of gatekeepers uh-huh. and the influence. It was not pretty. It was definitely not pretty. And, you know, one of the things that I was telling you earlier is some of the research that I'm working on right now, actually with a student, is on, um, well, they call them AI influencers. They're yeah. basically CGI. And as much as it's creepy, I mean... You know, welcome to, you know, the Alexa world. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but what does that say about us when we're, like, inventing? Like, I can see, how, like, uh, did you say your niece? Yeah, and looking at her, her Instagram right now, she actually has 60,000-plus followers. She would have oh. been mad that you said she only mm-hmm. had 40. Yeah. No, yeah. But if you, I'm already it, like, wait, who is this? It's Hold just on. my, my niece. And she pretends <laughs> that she's something that she's not, which is weird. Like she's oh, Welcome she, to the internet. I mean, it, she <laughs> works. She is a PA at NBC, but she okay. acts like she, she, people think she's a model. Like, they think she's a famous person. I don't know how she got 60,000. It could be be a huge fraud i don't know i don't and she's a sweetheart but wow is she gonna hear this i don't know but i mean she's adorable i mean i'm not cutting any of this i don't you don't have to lauren i love you dearly but i don't understand why you have all these followers and you know what the experts looking at your instagram page right now to figure this out i'll tell you why right now tell us she's living the california dream so she's pretending she's somewhere that she's not but i'm okay so all those pictures are taken (laughs) no but she's not gonna hear this those pictures are taken at like my mom's house in Long Beach, and she says she's in Malibu, or she says she's in or some exotic. Wow. I'm in Hawaii right now. Well, so this. Yeah. Like, well, just to bring this back, I mean, is I'm like, some, I'm like gawking at. Oh, wait, she has a website. Hold on. Is some of that, but is that a problem in this world? I would imagine a lot like of it's of fake. Fraud and the. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other kind of uh, of movement. Is that. Um, you know, this transparency, you know, and and it was funny because when Instagram came out, Instagram was that, you know, set up photograph with lots of filters and it was really pretty and nice. And that's why everybody loved Snapchat when it came out, because there well, there's filters, but it it wasn't so contrived. It was really yeah. more like behind the scene, playful fun. So, you know, Obviously, Instagram was like, hey, we're missing out on something. And that's kind of what Insta Stories has done. Mm-hmm. So and, and you know, from a marketing, from a forecasting point of view, what people post on their page has way more value as far as me measuring than their Insta Stories. But then their Insta Stories shows you their personality. Mm-hmm. You may look at an influencer and it's very dark and serious and then you go to their Insta stories and they're dancing in the back room and they're playing with their puppy. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that kind of gives you the behind the scenes, which truthfully, the ones that have continuously grown, because being an influencer, just like being an actress, it's like you're only as good as, you know, the last like five posts you've done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because people will unfollow. It's quite easy to unfollow. So, you have to really kind of be engaging. And a lot of times I'll ask influencers on these panels is that, you know, how do you draw the line where it's too much? Because, you know, you know, now a lot of influencers I've been I've known for a long time are are getting married. And I mean I had I talked to one the other day and she was like, I don't want to make a production out of it, even though people wanted to give her the, the dress and the, the location and everything. 
she realized she'd be overthinking the whole layout and everything and not really enjoying the moment. Um, and, and going into, you know, mommy bloggers, I mean, that's huge yeah. market, you know, millennial moms, there's so many big associations now for influencing a millennial moms. And, you know, there is a thing where it's like, when, when are you showing too much? Mm. You know, when is there, and then the kids are becoming influencers. So, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's, you know, the time off of the phone is equally as important. And, and this is a woman that promotes social media all day long. But and, and then there's a lot of different like groups that have formed about, you know, uh, you know, following people that make you feel good, you know, more of like these positive messaging. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think as a marketer, um, also I have two teenage daughters is that, you know, being ethically responsible, what we're posting and how we're posting. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, the generation coming through, at least my programs, is that they're very aware of this. They're mm -hmm. very aware. And even some of the ones that are coming in right now are not as connected as they were right when they first came. The middle ground is slowing up. Mm. Um, you would think they would love Alexa and any kind of AI. They hate it. Huh. Um, they don't really like that idea. Um, where I think a lot of people my age are more like, that's cool, we can order things right there. Right, right. Would, I, you know, I just want to say, I know you have to teach a class at three, so yeah. we don't want you to be late yeah, for that. that. But fun. so I want to know, um, like, what is there? What else do you want to share with us in the last ten minutes that we have, or we might not even well, have ten minutes, well, five actually, minutes? Actually, I have one question. Okay, go for it. Which I think will be a, a overarching. So, uh, speaking to like prospective students. Like, let's say you have your typical 16, 17-year-old glued to Instagram, <laughs> glued to their phone, and they're sort of caught up in this world, and they're thinking, marketing, I like that. What do you say to those, those you know, that when they want to enter into, let's say, the marketing The program? marketing field. Well, you know, you know, one of the things is they, they, they typically will want to, they're interested in business, they think marketing is strictly sales, so they're not really sure they want to be a salesperson. Um, they know of management, which requires a lot of like organization and accounting. Accounting, you either are accounting or you're not. There's not really a lot of confusion there. Um, so in marketing, I tend to ask them questions that I know are some of the personality that goes with marketing. And for me, I always start with, uh, I, I always tell them, you are the voice of the brand or whoever you're representing. Mm -hmm. So are you good at figuring out how to tell someone's story? And telling a story doesn't necessarily have to be the narrative voice. It could be written. It could be visual. Mm -hmm. But are you good at kind of doing that? You know, do you find that you often do that where you see a commercial or you see something and like, why did they do that? Or that's really great. Mm -hmm. um, and or campaigns, like, do you start to see that? And because really that is marketing it's, it's telling that voice absolutely and it's it really is why you know there's a 20 percent increase by 2020 in the area of marketing marketing any marketer will tell you it's about content mm -hmm. i mean that is it that is the whoever absolutely. has the best content wins and there's companies like um i think they're brilliant called taste made um, they have three uh three handles on Instagram. Each one, I think, has over 5 million. Each post they do gets over half a million likes. Wow. 
They are very good because they get their customer and they get what they want. They know they have three seconds to grab their attention on any post. And they're really good at telling the story. And I've been to their headquarters. They enjoy it. The people working there enjoy it. They like it. It's not work. It's like really exciting. They go on the set. They put it together. They put it in three different languages. So I think as a marketer, if you feel that you're a good storyteller, doesn't mean that you have to be a stylist or do cinematography or graphic design. You will have a team that will do all that, even though I do tend to push students to um, learn certain like. The other day I had a, a conversation, I had someone come and talk about graphic design because that's one of the biggest problems, at least I find even consulting. I'll go to a website and I'll say, I don't like it. And they'll look at me like, well, what don't you like? <laughs> I don't like the font. Well, what kind of font do you like? So being able to communicate what you like and don't like, um, and a lot of it has to do with film too. You'll look at film and can you say we need more on the B-roll? Like, what's that? Well, then, you know what, let's take a couple of classes in film so that you can communicate because video is definitely the way of the future and they have to be able to speak that language. So typically if a student is interested in that, they said there's a lot of research and there's a little hesitation on that research. And I go, let me tell you what research is. Research is being curious. Mm -hmm. If you're curious, you'll be fine. That's really all it is. It's not, don't think this massive report. Think of don't you want to know why? and let me show you how to find out the why. Yeah, that's great. That's really a good. This is all so good. We could have you in for part two See, at some point. Wendy, you're awesome. Thank, thank you. you so much well, for coming in. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, I appreciate we really it. appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.